Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. There's something magical about unboxing. When you unbox BritBox, you uncover a world of British entertainment. Stream the UK's most brilliant series, including new and upcoming seasons of Shetland, Father Brown and Death in Paradise. Plus new originals like Payback, Irving Welsh's Crime and Archie, the story of Hollywood's greatest leading man, Cary Grant. Unbox BritBox and escape to the best of British TV. Stream with a free trial at BritBox.com. Oh my God, we're kicking it old school, having funlessness with Jen Kirkman, episode 234, a listener email episode. Don't worry, if you're new to the podcast, it's not just me reading emails, it's me reading emails, but it sparks me to jump off into a personal story. So stick around. Now, I say kicking it old school because I am recording this from my home. You know, normally I am in studio. And I, you know, I love the vibe of doing it at home, but honestly, I just don't have the right equipment and I don't feel like uh, getting it and I got too much to fucking do. So there's a little bit, I think, of a static sound on this episode and and, uh, it's the last episode of February. I feel like it's just us, right? We're doing Patreon starting in March. Not that there's going to be more people necessarily that know about the show. I don't know. I just feel like... Something about this episode right now makes me feel like it's just you and me, old school listeners. That's who I'm broadcasting this one to. And if new listeners, feel free to listen in and get a sense. Now, real quick, what would this podcast be without me? Real quick, running down my dates. Now, I have... Oh, wait. I think this is going to come out... Oh, it's going to come out on the 26th. So I I don't need to tell you that we just released 10 seats for Dana Carvey's show because you already don't know the show is over. Okay, great. What an episode already. Oh my God. Here we go. Everybody, I am in Phoenix on Saturday, March 28th at CB Live, 7 p.m. show. Guess what? My only stop in Arizona this year. I thought I'd do it on a Saturday. For those of you who could drive in from other parts, and it might be easier to do that on a Saturday. Not me. I work on Saturdays. Well, most people work Monday through Friday. Working nine to five. What a way to make a living. 
So there you go. Tickets, jenkirkman.com. Click tour. Please buy them in advance. Here's how it works. When you do not buy them in advance, I don't know how many people are coming, and I assume that I will not make my budget for that gig. When I know people are coming, I am able to make different choices, such as, I don't know, it's hard to explain. You know, my, maybe I don't take it, maybe I don't have time to take a, a little job in March. But I'm like, oh, I better because no one's bought tickets. And I get to the show, it's sold out. I'm like, damn it. You know what I'm saying? Stuff like that. If we need to add a second show, we need to do it now. So you'd have to sell it out now. Now, I know the show's not going to sell out now. I'm just not that kind of draw anymore. I don't know what the fuck's happening. I've never been funnier. Who fucking knows? But uh, please, I've been begging you guys. I see the ticket numbers and they're, they're okay. But not one of you has posted that you're coming to the show. And I know that there are many, many coming. So please take a picture of your ticket. Take a picture of yourself buying a ticket. Make a little video. Put it on Instagram at Jen Kirkman. Tag me. I will retweet you. You will have a much better life after that. Or find me on Twitter at Jen Kirkman. You can also try to use hashtag Jen Kirkman 2020. Now, let that be said for every show that I'm about to talk about. Please, when you buy tickets, post about it, brag about it. Do it now, not wait, not wait till the night of now. It helps me get other people interested. And then I will be in New York City, May 7th through 9th, Mother's Day weekend at Caroline's Comedy Club. My act is so parent-friendly. In fact, my act right now is perfect to bring your mom. There's a lot of stuff about my mom and our relationship And of course, as always, there's stuff about not having kids because I do not have kids. So it is perfect for the mom and non-mom alike. You've got five shows to choose from in New York City at Caroline's, jenkirkman.com, click tour. And then Spokane, Washington is on sale. That is my first time in that fine city as a performer, been there as a human, and now I am doing the Spokane Comedy Club. So let's not give me an embarrassing show of it. You know what I mean? June 4th through 6th, four shows, jenkirkman.com. Click tour. Going on sale. Oh, well, on sale as well is Dallas. I'm coming back. Four shows. That is the only Texas stop this year. So San Antonio, Houston, Austin, all my fans there, get in those cars and come see me. I will be there just for two nights, July 10th and 11th, two shows each at Hyenas Comedy Club Nightclub in Dallas. Everything on sale now, jenkirkman.com, click tour. Coming up, Winnipeg in August, Buffalo, New York, Bloomington, Indiana in September, and in November, right after the election, Seattle and Portland, Oregon. None of those uh, are on sale yet. The Winnipeg and uh, Bloomington and Buffalo and Seattle and Portland, not on sale yet. But go to jenkirkman.com, click Kirk Mail. You'll get one of my exciting newsletters that tells you when tickets go on sale and I send you a link directly. I do it all for you. I do all the work. I treat you like a bunch of baby birds. I feed you. Anyway, and next week we'll begin the Patreon. I don't really know how to tell you to sign up right now. It's patreon.com slash Jen Kirkman. I guess you can go there and we'll see what happens. I have a meeting with them tomorrow, not tomorrow when you hear this, but tomorrow when I'm recording this. So I don't, listen, just stay tuned. Follow me on Instagram at Jen Kirkman Podcast. 
and uh, that might be a good way to find out about it. Or of course, go to my website, jenkirkman.com, click podcast, all the information will be right there. All right. This week's episode is sponsored by Wealth Front and Etitude. I will tell you about those fabulous sponsors a little bit later. Let's settle in right now and talk to the listeners who have questions for me. Now, I did have a listener write me on Twitter. It wasn't my favorite. It hurt my feelings because I'm a human and humans get hurt feelings. And there's nothing that hurts my feelings more when then I am caught being human. And I was caught being human uh, on many episodes because I make noises with my mouth. So I get dry from talking for an hour. So sometimes I have to swallow and I have to move away from the mic, but then it creates this weird silence. And it's very frustrating to have to move away from the mic every 90 seconds. I do have to drink water during the tapings for my vocal cords and so I don't sound dry. I have a producer. She's fabulous. She does edit out a lot of the bigger moments of doing this, but something happens to me and that's, you know, it's actually part of my gift. Part of what I love doing is when I perform, I go into a zone. I don't really even know what I'm saying. I'm channeling my innermost thoughts. Even when I'm on stage doing comedy that I have recited 50 times, I'm in a zone. Like, I don't know what's going on around me. And I don't always stop to think, am I making mouth smacking noises? I fucking hate it. When I listen to it, it makes me nuts. And I go, well, what can I do? I can't re-record an episode. So I, it, it, I'm trying my best, but somebody wrote me, it sounds gross. They can't stand it. Listen, I agree with you. That is the worst part about internet comment culture, which is when people do it in such a mean way. And honestly, if they don't like it, they have to just stop listening because it's probably going to keep happening. And it hurt my feelings because I want to give a perfect product. I want to sound professional. I want people to love this and something that, you know, it's sort of like when you're doing something that brings you a lot of joy and you're in such a childlike Zen state that you really aren't noticing every detail of how you're behaving and someone points out this very human thing you're doing, it sort of is really... I feel a lot of shame and it feels really embarrassing. So comments like that really hit me. I'm very sensitive. Not so much in real life if that makes sense. I mean, I don't have anyone who talks to me in real life the way that people online talk to me. But if someone in real life talked to me a certain way, it would hurt, but I would I would understand because anyone in my life is a special, wonderful person. I don't have no junk in my life. But if someone kind of went off on me for a minute... I mean, there'd have to be a real evaluation if they get to stay in my life, but I would at least be able to see their face and I'd understand, wait, is something going on? Are they, are they in their child right now acting out some trauma thing? What's going on? But when I don't know someone and they make a comment online, it, 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 it reverberates a thousand times harder because you go, well, that must be what everyone online thinks. It, it's a strange phenomenon. It is not a unique phenomenon to performers, but it's certainly one that all performers can relate to. So 
Anyway, find me on Twitter at funlessnesspod, F-U-N-L-E-S-S-N-E-S-S pod. And that's where you can also find out more about Patreon when I decide to finally get the info about it. Okay, so here's the information. And I know some people have misophonia. Uh, I have friends who have it. They just have to make decisions about what they can or cannot listen to. So, you know what I mean? You got to take matters into your own hands. Oh, don't worry. I blocked him and told him to stop listening. What a great business model. Here we go with the questions. Nope. Yes. Motivating with depression and growing bangs out. (laughs) Two very different things. Hello, Jen. You can use my name. Question. Let's see. I made that noise again. I can't help it. How do you motivate to take care of yourself when you're depressed? I've dealt with depression on and off my whole adult life, and now this postpartum is kicking my ass, and the kid is turning two. I just can't seem to motivate to do my normal self-care. No yoga, jogging, eating right, journaling, or meditating. I'm on meds. Thank God but I need to start doing the healthy things. And I just can't make myself any magical tips. Thank you. You're the best. Bitty is, I assume, her name. Here's the deal. I don't relate to this question. And I'm not sure why. Because I do have depression, but I more have anxiety. I have neuroses and anxiety. And when my anxiety is bad, so I need to be more motivated to do stuff about my anxiety, which is meditate first thing in the morning. Say my prayers first thing in the morning. Up oh, prayers? I'm an atheist. There's no man in the sky. Congratulations. I don't believe in that God either. But I believe in humbling myself before a universe that I can't explain. And I don't pray to hear an answer. And I don't pray or pray because I think I can control things with a request. I'm not calling a DJ on a hotline. Hey, 1-800-1-800-DJ, call with your request. Hello, I'm praying. I'm on my knees. I'd like to hear Rick Astley. Never going to give you up. You want to get Rick rolled. Never going to give you up. Never going to let you down. That is not prayer. But for me, it is a humbling. It gets me out of myself and it actually makes me feel protected and taken care of. We are all one. It's something, whatever. Okay? Okay. It just changes my chemistry. The anxiety is less. I have to eat a certain way. Well, I have to do all the things. So I get it. I get that there's things you have to do and, you know, you have to do them. With me and the depression, the depression for me these days, it's been moving and changing for years. The depression for me comes when I make bad choices because I am in anxiety and I may do something that sort of scares someone off, whether work, professional, personal, or irritates people. And then I feel shame and then I get a little depressed. But an actual depression where I have to, I'm not on any meds, an actual depression where I'm medicated, you know, sometimes I haven't been able to motivate, but it's never been, can't get out of bed. I can't do this. Now, I would imagine you having a two-year-old. See, I can't speak to postpartum. That is its own real tricky thing. And I think that 
the one advice I can give you, because I don't have a kid either. I would assume having a kid is much like having a job. You know, it's going to make me really depressed if I don't show up for work and I get fired. So there's no choice. I have to get up and go to work. I may feel depressed all day during work, but the act of getting up and leaving the house will do something. Now, again, I'm not talking to, there's, allow me to talk about my level of depression. I'm not at the most highest level, but I think we, I don't think I have to make 75 disclaimers. Here's the thing. If you have a kid, I don't know, are you the only caretaker of the kid? Are you home alone all day with a two-year-old? Because while there is postpartum, which is completely chemical, there is also the very real reality that moms get depressed because they are not interacting with people and they are just, you know, taking care of this child and who's taking care of them. And it's a whole thing, right? And I don't mean to speak for you moms out there. I just know this from my friends who are moms. But I think where you're running into trouble, and you might say to me, well, Jen, I just wrote a letter really quick. I wasn't really thinking about my choice of words. But I think when we write things down or we say things and we use words, there's always the subconscious at work. So you asked me, how do I motivate when I'm depressed? So I think there's this notion. I'm just being super analytical because I'm answering questions on a podcast and I want to keep it interesting. When I hear the word motivate, I already know that somebody already has every answer they need inside of them, but they think there's a secret world of people with depression who feel a certain way and then are ready to take the leap to go to yoga, brush their hair, eat right, journal, or meditate. You can't motivate to do that stuff. You just have to do that stuff. Does that make sense? So you pee, you poop, you really don't control that. Your body's doing it for you. You go to sleep. I mean, I get it. Probably not much sleep with the two-year-old, but you do put yourself to bed, right? So you, did you have to motivate to go to bed? Maybe you did. But it's, it's a decision. It's not a motivation. It's just like, I have to, I'm going to, I don't want to. But I'm going to, let me just give you an example. Let's say, um, let's say you want to journal or you want to meditate. So I don't know whatever time of day that you have any time to do that, but let's say you, I'm just going to make up a scenario. This isn't just for the mom. I, I had to do this. I, I was in a stressed out, anxious place. And I was doing my meditation. I only do like 10 minutes a day, Some, sometimes more. Usually not in a row totally, but I might do a couple different sessions. Sometimes I do guided. Sometimes I just sit and count one, two, three, up, one, two, three, down. Sometimes I do like a mantra where I might say I am loved, I am soothed, or I am healed, I am, you know, whatever it is. I am okay, you know, whatever it is. But I was getting up, I love to get up really early in the morning. So I get up like six. I love to get up when it's dark out. So I put the pot of coffee on, start answering emails. I'm doing my work. I'm getting shit done. And then, you know, if I had a meeting or somewhere to be, or if, you know, I have a job and I have to be at work, then I, I run the clock right up till the hour that I have to take a shower and then I leave for work. And I would notice, oh, I'm not meditating. 
Because I would get up and go, no, 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 I'm totally going to meditate. I'm just going to do it in a minute. Just let me have some coffee. And then I'd start drinking the coffee. Ooh, let me answer emails. Ooh, I'm in a groove. I'm going to start writing. But this annoying little buzzing, not just the kind that you hear on this podcast because of my device, but this buzzing would be inside of me where I would be thinking, just meditate. You're a little on edge. It's imperceptible to anyone else, but you don't feel totally open. You don't feel totally at your creative peak. You don't feel like you're receptive to things. Just go do it. You'll feel better. It's 10 minutes. You have 10 minutes. And my brain would keep going, I'll do it later. Couldn't do it. Was I motivated to do it? Heck yeah. I knew that it was good for me. I wanted to. I couldn't do it. And then I decided, well, you know, every once in a while, I have to treat myself like a child. I have to soothe my inner child, but sometimes I have to be a strict parent. And I have to say to myself, I don't care what you want to do. I don't care if you're depressed. I don't care that you don't feel motivated and you're waiting for the right words. Mad, use the word magical too. There's no magic. There's no magic. There's no motivation. There's just doing. You know, we're getting Russian ballet teacher up in here. You just do it. You know, it's, it's just, it's a discipline. It's not a motivation. It's a discipline. And discipline fucking blows. So take that attitude into it and do the action because the action will create the positive recept, the, um, you know, when you do something over and over, you start to create a habit and it gets easier to do. But waiting for motivation, you're going to wait all day long because that bus don't exist on this route, not with depression, not with anxiety. You might end up being motivated after doing a certain thing for 30 days. You might be like, oh, now I love doing this thing. It's part of my day. But right now, when you're depressed, and I'll get back to what I was saying. So what I had to do, I'm going to go back to what I was saying, was I said to myself, I'm never going to meditate unless I do it before I get out of bed. So I have to. I don't want to. I have to. So I'm just going to make a decision just once. I'm setting the alarm. I don't have to get up any earlier. I just have to do it before I get it. So I set the alarm. I read a little note next to my bed that says, you have to meditate now. And then I would sit up in bed in a cross-legged position, straight back, and I'd put on an app and I would do it because I had to discipline myself like a child and say, Mommy says, Jen, this is what time we meditate. You're not in charge of what time we meditate. I'm the mommy. Imagine if your kid said to you, I have to motivate to go to bed. You'd be like, no, you don't. I said bedtime is seven and I'm putting you in it. That's how you have to talk to yourself. And so I started doing my little spiritual things in the morning before I, you know, went to take a shower. Did You know, I, I mean, I'm being a little verbose when I say before I get out of bed, but really I do mean it before I leave my bedroom. And I got to tell you, after a couple times, it started to feel good enough that I was like, I'm maybe looking a little forward to that little morning time. And that's how you do it. You just make yourself. Because at the end of the day, you have to, you have to look at it this way. I mean, eating healthy, I don't know, do you grocery shop? What if you just made a list of healthy foods that you like 
and only bought them. Don't have unhealthy food around. It's a choice. Now, all of this is very hard to do because when you're depressed, anxious, neurotic, whatever you are, addicted, whatever thing is in your brain, it works for you. Even if you're like, no, I hate being depressed. Yeah, but the going to bed early, the not showering, the kind of leaning into the depression. And again, I'm talking not the kind, you know, the kind that, again, can be uh, dealt with with medication, talk therapy, and some personal habits. I, I know friends that are so depressed they're in a hospital. That's not, not what I'm talking about. But I know for me, when I've been anxious, sometimes I want to stay anxious because it is familiar, even though I fucking hate it. It's at least a familiarity I fucking, a familiarity that I hate that I fucking know about. Depression, same thing. I want to lay in bed for three days. I know I'm not going to get anything done and it's going to stress me out more, but I want to. It feels comforting. So it's like after a while, our enemies like depression and anxiety become our comfort. It's kind of how we survive. If we were uncomfortable every fucking second of being depressed, if we weren't used to it, we really wouldn't survive. So it feels weird to step out of it. It's almost like, don't worry, you'll always have your depression to go back to. You can journal for five minutes. I mean, you took the time to write me an email. That could be a journal entry. It could just be, I can't motivate. But I would take the words motivate and magical out of your subconscious because I think that's what's fucking you up. Now, as far as growing your bangs out, what do you think? What are you saying? A more lighthearted question, tips for growing out bangs. I have plain long hair and cut thick bangs, see depression question above, and now I need to grow them out without rocking a mullet. They currently hit about mid-ear. Well, I don't know if you follow me on Instagram, at Jen Kirkman, but I am currently growing out my bangs. Uh, headbands are your friend bobby pins with sparkles on them. You can do that thing where if you can almost tuck your hair behind your ears, you can sort of sweep your hair down, put a bobby pin in, maybe do a side part and put a row of bobby pins in on one side. Headbands, although they give me headaches, but maybe just the cloth kind are your friend. Sometimes I just wear a little like beanies, you know, like your urban outfitters. Like I'm 19 and I have like a winter cap on. I wear those. I wear baseball hats. I do the whole thing. I actually just treated myself to a bunch of like fun, fancy hair clips and headbands. And uh, that's what you have to do. You just have to put stuff in your hair to keep it off your face. Now, some people actually get, like if you want, it sounds like you want your hair to be all one length. Some people will do a very specific haircut, like cut your hair shorter so that there's less, there's less, hair that your bangs have to catch up with, you know, you might want to get, oh, like some fun layered like shaggy bob. And then once your layers get down to your chin, your hair is all one length and you keep growing it from there. So, I mean, that is an option. If you're willing to change up your hairstyle, I have found in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me, is that I will get an all new haircut that sort of 
does that. Also, I don't know, can you, do you have a flat iron or a curling iron? Can you do a little like feathering? <laughs> I mean, I know you don't want to look like you have a mullet. Are you willing to look like one of the Bee Gees? So that's my advice. That's my advice. Oh my God. Yeah, growing out bangs is a commitment. And everyone's like, you don't have wrinkles on your forehead. I'm like, I had Botox, you psychos. I'm 45 years old. Although the Botox was not for wrinkles. I swear to God, I had a lightning bolt in the center of my head. And once a year, I get it shot up. Um, it, it takes about, oh, I did that sound again. It takes about a year to come back. And I don't mind the wrinkles. It's the lightning bolt that makes me crazy. And I actually hate after I get the shots because then my forehead doesn't move and I think it looks stupid and it's clear that even young people have wrinkles in their forehead. So it does drive me crazy. But I think I might be able to stop doing it because the lightning bolt has not come back. But I will just have like a super wrinkly forehead, but that's fine. That's that's where I am right now. So Do you want financial advice from me? I mean, you know, why not, right? I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, Wealthfront. Here's the deal. Your credit card probably gives you 1% cash back, but what does your bank account give you? Most banks now these days, they just give 0.1 APY interest on your savings, but you should be earning more. And guys, I'm an old lady. Banks used to give way more savings than that. But with Wealthfront Cash Account, you can actually earn more interest on your savings. With the Wealthfront Cash Account, you earn more interest on your money. They have one of the highest interest rates in the market at 1.78% annual percentage yield. That's 19 times more interest than the national average of 0.09%, according to FDIC.gov. It's so easy and fast to get started. If you're like, I'm not a money person. What is this, an investment? No, 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 no. It takes a dollar and five minutes to open an account. You can even do it from your phone, no paperwork. There are no fees and your money is FDIC insured up to $1 million through their partner banks. So how great is that? It's an ideal way to manage your money. You can save, plan, invest, and you can even get financial advice all in one place. And they make your money work harder for you. So here's the deal. Wealthfront.com slash fun. Wealthfront.com slash fun. And start earning 19 times more interest on all of your savings. Open an account in less than five minutes. That is wealthfront.com slash fun. Now, I got to read the legal requirements and guidelines. I always like on TV shows when they do it really fast. So I'm going to try to do it like that. Wealthfront is not a bank. Cash account is offered by Wealthfront Brokerage, LLC, member FINRA-SIPC. Wealthfront conveys funds to partner banks who accept and maintain deposits, provide the interest rate, and provide FDIC insurance. The APY is subject to change. Boop, boop. I did it. If anyone ever needs me to read fast for a living, you know where to find me. I was way too proud of myself for that. Way too proud of myself for that. So, oh, you guys can tell what I'm doing right now. I'm vamping because 
I just lost the document that has what I needed to read. Don't judge me. All right. Here we go. Here's another email. Fuck. I know. I wish someone would come to the door or something. I mean, I actually don't because I haven't ordered anything. But like, you know, forget it. Forget it. All right. Jen, how do I get people to shut the fuck up about my job? First of all, thank you for all of your content. I can't wait to get that thing that starts with a P for extra content. I'm sure I would spell it wrong if I tried. No, it's Patreon. P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Ah, and she has her new swag, Everyone's Fun is Different t-shirt on the way that she's... Oh, that's great. Guys, if you go to jenkirkman.com and and click shop until the end of February, you can get, I think it's like 30% off all t-shirts if you use code FUN2020 or it's 2020FUN, either one, all caps on the fun. And I've got new shirts. One of them says Everyone's Fun is Different. One of them says I'm not fun. One of them says I'm fun. You love it. Go get them, jenkirkman.com, click shop. Okay, great. So many things to ask because I relate to your life on many levels, but I'm going to go with this one, career. I spent 15 years living the perfect career. It was full of travel, adventure, famous people, alluring to the average Joe. I was at the top of my game and sought after from people all over the world. I took a freelance gig, as they all are, and well, it has turned into a life gig, but in a different capacity. It's a great gig, just not as lustrous as it used to be. Now I keep getting, why? Judged, questioning my happiness, choice. I always respond with the same, I am happy. I'm at a different point in my life. Now that I'm 46, I want to be in one place, blah, blah, blah. How do I get People to shut the fuck up because nothing is working and it's starting to affect my mindset. Any advice will be helpful. Oh, this is an easy one. Acceptance is the key to all of our problems today. You must accept that you cannot get people to shut the fuck up. We can never control what other people say. And that's why it's starting to affect your mindset because you are trying to do an impossible thing instead of taking care of yourself. Now, you sound like a fabulous grown-up adult person. I don't know if you're a man, woman, or anything in between, but you are a grown-up. And if someone asks you questions that you don't want to answer, it's time to get cunty. I'm telling you, it works. Set a boundary so hard that you can hear it slam. You don't have to be like, I'm this, I'm that. When, whenever we respond to people, it's, it's a weird dance. Imagine this. You're leaving a party and you say, I really have to go. I'm leaving now. But you're walking closer to the inside of the room. The door is behind you. No one is going to believe that you have to go, even though you're saying you have to go, because you're walking more into the party and you're shaking hands (laughs) and hugging people and, and pouring yourself a drink. So I know it's not totally analogous, but... The actions you're doing are telling people that they're not leaving the party, even though you're saying you are. So in a weird way, not totally analogous, but when you're in conversation with people who won't shut the fuck up, you're also not shutting up. You're answering them. 
and you're giving them, you're not saying, I don't discuss this with people. That shuts them up. And if they keep talking, then they look like the weird ones because they're forcing you to have a conversation you don't want to have. But if you answer them, well, I'm, I'm happy. That's you pouring a drink saying, I'm leaving. I'm at a different point in my life now. That's you walking further into the party, even though you said you had to leave. Now that I'm 46, I want to be in one place. That's you taking your coat off. Like you're saying things that give people something to argue with. So subconsciously you're dancing with them when you want to stop. And it's, that's what setting boundaries is. Setting boundaries is not explaining yourself when you don't want to explain yourself. So in these situations, I always say, oh, you know, it's if you're at a party, wherever you are, I always say, you know, a lot of people ask me this and I hate to say it. I know you're not trying to be rude. I find it rude. So I have a policy where I don't talk about it. Now, what else can we talk about? Have you seen any movies? That's it. Just no. Just you're not talking about it. Or you can say to people, huh, it's so funny that this concerns you so much. Just turn it on them. That's how you get people to do it. If you want to go further into it, if, you've, if you're like this, you know, and this happens in other areas of my life, this is people pleasing. And it's a, it's a stepsister of codependency. So Google people pleasing and just read anything about it. You don't have to answer people's questions. I know it seems like, well, that's rude when you're trying to please a person who wants to talk to you about a thing you don't want to talk about. Where are you in that scenario? Are you pleasing yourself? It doesn't sound like it. And I don't mean masturbate at a party. Okay. Now, if you're like, you know what, Jen, great advice. I think I'd rather stay in bed than even have to deal with people. Well, I've got something for you. Oh my God. I love having a podcast because I get sent things and I'm like, okay, this is next level. And that is what I feel about Etitude Sheets. E-T-T-I-T-U-D-E. They are as soft as silk. They are as breathable as linen but they are at the price of cotton. You're going to love them. When you support Etitude, you support my show, and you know that. But right now, you guys can get 20% off of their sheet set and free shipping. This is how it goes. Just text Jen, J-E-N, to 64,000. I love the like texting thing. I'm like, oh my God, it's like my first sponsor that has a cool texting thing. And these sheets, uh, amazing. The only way to get 20% off of your Etitude sheets and free shipping is to text Jen to 64,000. J-E-N to 64,000. Now here's the deal. I sometimes get hot in my sleep. It's just how I am. I don't like any kind of like I, I just need plain sheets that feel very soft. I don't like anything heavy like flannel, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, I obviously want anything I can have to be sustainable. This is why Etitude is now my new favorite sheet because the sheets keep you cool. They stay nice and cool at night. They're so soft and they are the most sustainable bedding company on the planet. They're basically the perfect sheets. I also don't like not knowing, like you just like go online, you're like, I don't know if these are good and everyone's reviews are all different. I'm telling you, they're great. 
One customer, though, on their uh, website reviews said, they make my 1,300-count Egyptian cotton sheets feel like sandpaper. This is the best sleep of my life. If you want to get the best sleep of your life, try Etitude. So here's how you do it. You text Jen to 64,000. They are feathery soft. They're organic, clean bamboo. That's the difference. Clean bamboo. It's extremely breathable. It regulates your temperature. Obviously, that's going to improve your quality of sleep. And it's antimicrobial. So it's not going to make your skin break out if you get rashes. Whatever whatever weird things our bodies do ain't going to happen with these sheets. Organic clean bamboo recycles 98% of the water it uses. So that's why it's the most sustainable bedding available. Cotton uses a ton of pesticides and it wastes water and it's harmful on the environment. Attitude stands for eco-attitude. Why not try them? They're amazing sheets. They have a 30-day risk-free trial. If you're not fully satisfied, you can return them for a full refund. They'll even pay shipping on your return. It's bedding for the educated, conscious consumer. It's 100% organic bamboo made with a non-toxic manufacturing process, hypoallergenic, antimicrobial, soft as silk, breathable as linen, at the price of cotton. Text Jen to 64000. Y'all, if you like my show, why don't you send me an iTunes review? I guess it's called Apple Podcasts. I'm still calling it iTunes. I'm still writing iTunes on my checks. So give it five stars, write a review. It really helps like push me up in the, uh, I don't know how it works. It's like it, it pushes you up in the rankings. So, you know, we, we want to help out Jen and I've got, Ooh, I've got, I've got some new ones here. I'll read you one and you can see if you can top this review. Jen, you are the piece de resistance. Neurotic and essential. Five stars by Dr. Tim Beach. A doctor. A doctor. I just love your struggles with life. I, I, you know what's funny is I, you guys know that a lot of this is a performance, right? Like I don't really walk around like Larry David. Oh my God, everyone's small talking me. I, it's, I, I exaggerate my thoughts and play them out. But like a lot of people are like, I'm just like you. And I feel like I'm almost influencing people to walk around being miserable. And like, I see people write things about me. They're like, she seems a little difficult. I'm like, oh my God. Like everywhere I go, people are like, you're such a nice person. Like, it's a little bit of a, it's not an act. It's not fake, but I'm taking my private thoughts. I'm like, does anyone else think this? And then I'm exaggerating it. And like, I do feel frustrated, but it lasts like four minutes and I talk about it on the podcast. I just don't, I don't want, I want to influence people to be kind and gentle and, and positive and sweet and good to themselves and good to others and not ruck around like, yeah, I hate the world, just like Jen Kirkman. Like that is not my thing, not my jam. Okay, anyway, Dr. Tim Beach, I just love your struggles with life. I just relate because I so want to make people stop being intrusive. You don't need to know how my day is going to sell me items. We can say hi, no problem, but can we leave it there? Okay, here you go. I'm the Tim that watched you melt down in Sacramento. Uh, I've listened to every podcast you've recorded, which means I've listened to you for over 300 hours. I wouldn't trade it for the world. Thank you, Tim. He did see me melt down in Sacramento. There was a drunk woman on the late show Friday, and I was like, listen, bitch, you're ruining everything. And then I said to the audience, are you scared? Is everyone okay? And I asked this guy in the audience, are you okay, sir? And he was like, I've heard from comedians about the second show Friday, and that's why I went to one. So he got what he paid for. 
Um, Andrew C, five stars, says, surprisingly anxiety relieving. Not sure what it is about Jen Kirkman and her casual podcast conversations, but listening always puts me at ease. Besides being hilarious and relatable, something about the casual way she goes through her weekly topics calms me down when I've had a particularly stressful day. Oh, yay. As someone who suffers from near constant anxiety, this provides a nice little break from it. I hate meditating, but I'm guessing this is close as I'll get. Thanks, Jen. Thank you. Well, that's very sweet. Ooh, ooh. So yeah, go to Apple Podcasts, leave a review. There can never be too many. Buy tickets to see me on tour. Hashtag Jen Kirkman 2020. And you can do that on Twitter or on Instagram. And again, you can also track me on Bands in Town if you want to follow that up. But join my newsletter, jenkirkman.com and click Kirk Mail. Now, if you want to send me a listener email, if you want advice, or do you have any questions about my life that you're like, talk about this on the podcast, uh, I seem fun at gmail.com. And our last question, should she tell on her classmates at free school? Jen, I just started as a 33-year-old, oh, sorry. Jen, I just started school as a 33-year-old last week. I should explain that this college has free tuition and is more like a technical job training program and not like traditional college. All the students that are in the same program have all the same classes at the same time, and this means all day long, 8 to 3, Monday through Friday. There are a few students in the class that are extra disruptive. They don't yell out things, oh, they yell out things or don't listen and ask the same question one after another. They ask irrelevant questions or share irrelevant anecdotes that cause the instructors to go off on tangents. Don't ever become a writer. That's what a writer's room is like. <laughs> it's super annoying and there are at least three other people in my class that are annoyed by the same thing. I feel it's not only annoying, but makes school drag. And we are not being challenged enough. Since it's free school, should I just deal with it? If most of the instructors go along with it, are they pushovers or is this how school works? I've been debating whether or not to complain to the student advisor or not. I don't want to be a tattletale, but I want to get all I can out of school. I also don't really know what could come of it. I'm just hoping some of these people get kicked out, which they can if they are late too much or sleep in class. Please help. I roll my eyes a million times a day. What do you think? <laughs> I kind of love being a tattletale. A little bit. I have that in me. So here's the deal. I don't know. I haven't been in school since I was 21. So that's, oh God, 24 years ago. Oh my God. Where does life go? Fuck. And I don't even remember college. I mean, I don't mean that in a cool way. Like, hey man, I was on drugs. It's just, it was too long ago. I had no clue. But um, here's the deal. You know, just because something is free doesn't mean everyone can be, oh, hey, whatevs. We don't have to take it seriously. But I know, you know, a lot of times I'll say, well, the podcast is free, so whatever, deal with it. Or, you know, if you go help a friend for free, they sort of, it, 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 people do treat free things differently. 
um, sometimes there is this like lack of less respect for it. So I'll give you an example. Like uh, if you pay a lot of money maybe to see a performance, you might respect the artist more than if you paid less. So there are weird things definitely that subconsciously happen when something is free. These people might be like, well, I'm not paying for this, so I don't have to take it seriously or whatever, you know. But let's look at things that are free that we do take seriously. Love. Love is free. Are you in love with someone when you see them? Do you treat them less well because love is free? <laughs> do you know what I mean? I mean, but I'm serious. You know, I mean, hiking is free provided there's no parking fee. Do you just give the middle finger to the trees? Fuck you. You're free. You know, I mean, I get what you're saying that it seems like there's probably a little more of an anarchy feeling at free school because nobody can say, hey, we're paying, I'm paying money for this. So I want you to shut up because I'm paying 20,000 a year. You're disruptive. But the thing is, you're there to learn. And you could be doing something else with your time and you could be working a job and earning money from eight to three and you're not, not that you don't have a job, but you know what I mean? You're not there for your health. You're there to learn. And it sounds like a real gift that it's free. And it sounds like people are being entitled assholes and not taking it seriously. So the fact that there is even a student advisor to begin with tells me that talking to them about how to improve things would be normal because that's probably what they're there for. If you're really only afraid of being a tattletale, I mean, here's the thing. Since it's free school, should I just deal with it? If most of the instructors go along with it, are they pushovers or is this how school works? The student advisor is the one to ask that question. I would, I would say exactly what you said in this email. People are disruptive and I want to know. I feel really, I think when we're just totally honest and we name it, then that's actually how to have a conversation. So it's like, hey, you know, hey, student advisor. So here's the deal. I, I'm trying to pay attention. And, you know, stuff like they ask irrelevant questions or share irrelevant anecdotes. I wouldn't lead with that because... That just happens anywhere. And I get what you're saying, but it sounds more like yelling things out, asking the same questions after one another. I mean, you may be a little bit of a perfectionist. Maybe you're being judgmental. You can always look at your part in things and go, well, you know what? Yeah. But the point is you don't feel you're being challenged enough. So that's where you go to the student advisor and say, I don't feel I'm being challenged enough. I don't think this atmosphere is conducive to learning. It's a lot of disruptions happen. And you could say to the advisor, what's weird is the instructors are kind of going along with it. And I don't know if it's because they don't think it's a big deal or maybe they're afraid of these people, but I don't mean to be the squeaky wheel, but why not? You know, I want to get something out of it. What, what do I do? And I think that's what you ask. And if the advisor goes, oh, you just deal with it. That's how we do here. It's called Pushover University Technical Job Training Program. Yep. Why are you being such a non-pushover? Why are you pushing back at all the pushovering we're doing? Then you know, and then you have to make a decision. Well, I guess this is what it is. It's a pushover place where a bunch of disruptive people are acting like fools. 
up in here, up in here. And these teachers are like, oh, it's okay. You know? And, but you got to find out. Maybe the advi- maybe someone else has talked to the advisor and the advisor is like, if one more person comes up to me with this complaint, I'll know we have a problem. Now, then you mentioned you don't want to be a tattletale, but you're like, I'm just hoping some of these people get kicked out. <laughs> you didn't. <laughs> I did. Well, then you are, if you name specific names, you are moving into tattletale territory. So I think, now listen, I think that's fun as shit. I want to come in with you and name names and watch them get in trouble. But here's the deal. The first time you talk to the advisor, you just want to make sure that you're being taken seriously and that they don't think your motivation is that you're this like mini Hitler who's like, I've got names. And then, you know, everyone gets kicked out. Amazing Hitler impression, by the way. Thanks, guys. So you want to lead with, I'm not getting all I can out of it. Please tell me what's the environment you're trying to foster because I'd like to tell you what the environment actually is like. And then if they ask you to name names, I suppose you could. But I think in general, it sounds like a systemic problem that people don't know is happening and then they can maybe address it in general. It sounds like the teachers or I don't know what you called them, instructors need to set rules in the classroom. I mean, I don't really, if the teachers aren't being told to set boundaries and rules, I don't know how they're ever going to start. I mean, I don't know, but I don't think you're a tattletale for saying this isn't conducive to learning. You are technically a tattletale for going in and naming names and hoping they get kicked out. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying that's just the definition of a tattletale. No no problem, no judgment here. As you know, as I said, I love a tattletale. So I hope that helped you at all. I was thinking today about school and it's like I have such few memories from the classroom, but I just remember <laughs> I just remember this kid Mark Federico. I was in sort of let's say Oh no, I wasn't this wasn't even remedial math. This was just normal math. But I did end up going to after school math help because I was like I don't know what anyone's talking about. So, there was a, there was quite a significant jump from the math of freshman year to the math of sophomore year in high school. I don't know where Mark is. Looking back on it, he was probably hot. Does that make sense? Like, you know those guys in 88 or 90, 1990, that looked like they were from the 70s? Like, he was that kind of kid, Um, but kind of goofy, too. So anyway, so (laughs) he had some accent. I'm like, well, I don't know what accent this is. We're in the suburbs of Boston, super white, super middle class and upper middle class, not my family, but the the town. And so, um, I mean, we are white, but we were more working class. And, uh, so Mark comes in first day of school. I always love teachers who do this, like the teachers who get right into it. It's first day of school. It's September 3rd. They're like, hi, I'm Mr. Jones and this is algebra. Okay. So up here on the board, I have a quadratic equation where X is solving for this. Lisa, what do you think? And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. 
Is there any, like, we go around the room, play Duck, Duck, Goose, introduce ourselves? No? This is what being 15 is? Shit. Okay, we're getting right into it. Okay, wait, give me a minute here, you know? So one of those teachers, he's like, hello, everyone, I'm Mr. Jones. This is uh, algebra on the board, X equals Y, sometimes Z, over here there's a chart, and blah, blah, blah. And this kid, he goes, any questions? And Mark raises his hand, he goes, is this the class? And he goes, yes, Mr. Federico, this is the class, I don't know what you're asking. Is, is this, this is the math, this is algebra? He goes, yes, he goes, it starts here, and he goes, yes. And Mark goes, oh, oh no, fuck, oh no, fuck this shit. <laughs> he just picked up his books and left. Went, oh no, I, I got to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> he was already like, can't comprehend it. It doesn't seem like it's going to get easier. And it was the funniest thing I'd ever seen in my life. It was just so honest. Just, no, I don't do this. So I don't know. I mean, Maybe that's you in the classroom. Maybe that's the other people in the classroom. I don't know which one you relate with, but it sounds like you probably are in a class of Mark Federico's who need to just realize they shouldn't be there. They need to get up and be like, I'm fucking out. I'm going to go smoke a cigarette in the bathroom because you're still allowed to smoke inside. Oh, everything always comes back to that, doesn't it? Well, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode listener emails. I love you all. Until next week, have fun.